Jake, so what did you order to drink today? Uh, I got 16-year-old Lagavin uh, today, actually from the UK, back in the before times when people could travel outside the United States. Oh, you're so fancy. See, uh, I stick with good old American Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, so unlike some of us, I actually support America. uh, Jack's not bad. Uh, I, I prefer the gentleman Jack. I prefer a little bit of a step up or the signature <laughs> Jack, but I will drink regular Jack, though I'm not a fan of a lot of the American distilled stuff, um, especially outside of the Kentucky bourbon area. Like, I- I'm not going to lie, the Rochester whiskeys all kind of suck. <laughs> I don't know if you've had like most of them, but uh, I've gotten into scotch and to have scotch, it actually has to be from the Scotland area and I've gotten really into it and Wanted to buy a couple bottles and then looked at the price and said, $120 for a bottle of scotch is a little exaggerated. <laughs> so, Well, uh, my experience with Rochester-based whiskeys uh, has been for hand sanitizer. Oh, right yeah. Now. So, I got some of that. Yeah. I prefer Black Button's hand sanitizer to their whiskey. <laughs> Not still for drinking. S- smells like ass. It still is, smells horrible. Oh, terrible. So, Okay, you ready? Black Button, they're probably not doing it right now, made a root beer. It was amazing. Non-alcoholic, but it was very good. It was, uh, oh, what was the winery that was in Eastview Mall that moved out? Oh, um, Three Brothers. They So Three Brothers was the best root beer I've ever had. Black Buttons was a close second. So That's awesome. But, so, uh, do you want to tell our three listeners what we were supposed to be drinking today, and I'll tell them why we're not drinking it? So, we were supposed to be drinking Kona Longboard Ale, um, which, in true fashion, I can find without an issue. Aaron? Yeah. So, one, we sort of uh, decided on doing this podcast. It is, it is currently August 23rd. Um a little last minute, you know, things have been in the way. That's why uh, you loyal listeners haven't heard from us in a couple weeks. Life happens. But um, we, J- Jake's going to rustle his microphone a little bit louder. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Drake dropped the Kona longboard on me and I was like, it's not a problem. You can find that anywhere. Absolutely. 100%. And first thought was, you know what? I'm going to go to the number one place that hasn't let me down yet when Jake has picked some weird and obscure alcohol. And I'm going to go to my favorite uh, little uh, gas station. And I went there and they do have longboard, but they were all out. 
Oh, okay. So so it's not a case of they didn't have it. They were just sold out. They were sold out. It's just out. that good. It's that good. So I was like, all right, well, there's a Tops right next door. They got to have it. Run to Tops. They don't have it. Now it's like 8 p.m. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll go to the liquor store down the street. Wait a minute. We are still under COVID-19 protocols, which means everybody closes at weird fucking hours. So liquor store closed. Dollar store didn't have it. All right. Uh, what else do I got? I have a CVS. Saddest beer selection I've ever seen. <laughs> it's a CVS. Not uh, surprised. Yeah. Went to the 7-Eleven across the street. That had a larger selection, but they didn't have it. I know Jake got it at a Wegmans, and I was going, all right, fine. Fuck it. I'm going to drive all the way to Wegmans. I'm getting further and further away from my house. I drive to Wegmans. I get to Wegmans. I get there. Go directly to the beer section. Lo and behold, they don't have it. Some teenager comes up to me. Can I help you, sir? Yes. Where's your longboard? Oh, um, let me check. He goes back. He comes back. He goes, okay. Uh, well, we don't have any six packs, but we do have a case or two. Now I'm debating. All right. Am I really going to buy an entire case just it, so I can have a single beer? It's that good. For the podcast. So I went, okay, fine. I will take a case. He goes in the back and he comes out with a case of beer from Kona Brewery that's not Longboard. No. And I went, that's not what I asked for. He's like, yeah, you asked for the beer from uh, Kona Brewery. Yes, specifically Longboard. Not whatever this one is. To which I got a puzzled face, uh, confusion, and then, well, this is the only one we got. (sighs) So I said, okay. I limped home after visiting seven different places, and uh, that is partly why we discovered decided to drink the hard stuff tonight. Yeah, so. well, I'm not in. It's not a bad deal. I'm enjoying my scotch here. So uh, next time, I'm just going to go with something from Jenny. We'll make it nice and easy. You can find it anywhere in Rochester. Perfect. We'll do a cream ale. Oh yes, they have tons of it at my Walmart. Uh, so we'll do something like that. Um, so what topic do you have prepared for us tonight, Jake? Well, what are we s- going to get drunk and discuss tonight? Well, so, uh, you know, we kind of switched it last minute because that's been this episode, a last minute episode. And to match the flag I have behind me for the Jedi Order, we're going to talk the politics of Star Wars and how they relate to American politics. Uh, this comes from the fact that I see too many people Relating Joe Biden to potentially winning the election to defeating the Empire without actually realizing what the political landscape of Star Wars was and what defeating the Empire meant for politics of the world and how accurate and horrible of a description that is for what is actually happening. I'd also like to say to anybody that believes we are currently living under in america under a regime that is similar to emperor palpatine's empire 
um, you're fucked in the head. There's something wrong with you. Uh, and I have a bridge in Brooklyn that I'd like to sell you. But, uh, uh, yeah. But I, there's, I'm excited for this topic. A uh, huge Star Wars fan, obviously. Who isn't? And if you're, if you're not, what the fuck are you doing on this planet? Please leave. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's just do a five minute high level overview of the politics of Star Wars movies only episode one through nine movies only. Well, just for the high level overview and then okay, we can fine. dive down into other stuff. All right. So episode one through three, you have the Galactic Senate. You have a Galactic Republic that is bogged down in red tape. It yeah. actually allows slavery in the outer this is the, rim. This is it, the Clone Wars period. Clone Wars period. Ignores thing. Start. Uh, so a group of the Galactic Republic breaks off and starts the Separatist Union. The Republic starting to break apart. Um, you know, there's a Galactic War breaks out. The Senate approves expansive spending on a military over letting this group peacefully split off turns out there's these evil guys the sith pulling the strings behind the whole thing but they were able to pull the strings because the galactic republic already was so on the breaking point it had fracture points already by the end of the third movie the galactic republic falls the galaxies brought together under the galactic empire under emperor sheev palpentine a rebellion forms out of it uh, run by a princess uh, and her senator father because the Senate's still around. It just has no power. By the fourth movie, they dissolve the Senate. The rebellion fights for a couple movies, defeats the evil empire. Yay, peace is brought back to the galaxy again. But let's talk about what peace to the galaxy really means. It's a fractured government now that has a really hard time reforming to the point that the leftovers of the evil empire start the first order by the seventh movie, destroy the new Republic government and put the galaxy back under oppressive rule just to have the resistance win again and somehow bring peace back this time. And it's going right. to be formal. Uh, so that's going to work high level overview. Um, and I think it's, I, I'm not saying the U S under Trump is the evil empire, but I think there are elements of the star Wars universe that accurately reflect American politics today. I would agree. So. I feel I'm, well, I'm going to just dive right in. I don't, I don't care what you were thinking because we're going for the hard stuff today. So, yep. yeah. Um, Filters are off. I feel if you have to pick a period in, in Star Wars time in which we currently exist, I say we are either in the Old Republic, which took place before Episode 1, before the Clone Wars, or we are living in the really any point of the Clone Wars. I would I, think... I would say... Our, our current geopolitical stance more fits that time frame. I mean, the, the bureaucracy, the, um, the fractures among political parties, 
separatist movements. I mean, obviously, the allegory that they were using in the movies was the Civil War um, in the 1800s. But, you know, if you if you don't take it as, you know, literal and as harsh, I feel that period fits a lot easier. Yeah, and I, I would not disagree with you. This was more spurned by the people that are making the uh, comparisons of current political environment right. to Star Wars. And I, as a Star Wars fan, as a politics fan, wanted to point out the flaws in that argument and how too many people think that Star Wars is a from a political stance is a good guy versus bad guy uh story but let's take a moment to look at the quote-unquote good guys in the story the galactic republic the rebellion the new republic the good guys (laughs) all right so first of all the Galactic Republic allowed slavery and turned a blind eye to it. The Galactic Republic allowed super corporations and turned a blind eye to the horrible things they were doing to people. They allowed an ancient religion which literally kidnapped children from their parents because they were Force-sensitive and would have a better life living as a Jedi than they would living with their family because they were too dangerous to be around unmaintained because they might fall to the dark side. Well, Anakin fixed that, right? Oh, yeah. Is that too soon? Yeah, yeah, he did. (laughs) Um, Then you have the time of the Galactic Republic, which was an oppressive regime, which made things worse. They put some of the races that were free under slavery, like the Wookiees. But let's not ignore there was still slavery under the Republic, it's not like things were that great under the Republic if you lived outside of the mid-rim. They were just right. good for the people who lived central to Coruscant. Right. And also, how great, you know, can, how great and free can the Republic actually be if it was so, if it was able to become the Galactic Empire so easily? Yes. Exactly. I mean, the, my favorite absolute favorite quote from the entire star wars franchise is you know boiled down to you know you know this is how democracy dies to thunderous applause and you know that i mean 100 percent. if democracy is ever um removed from america it's not going to be through you know violence and gunshots it's going to be through you know a majority of people who think that they're doing the right thing and it's thunderous applause and you know it's easy to get you know to get rid of democracy it's not so easy to get it back and that's where you know takes a little bit more extreme measures to get it back yeah so then you get the the rebellion the resistance and they're they're a terrorist organization by any standard they're bombing places they are bringing freedom to people at the expense of other people and it's really a political fight over you know they star wars gives it to us as good versus evil the jedi versus the sith but it's it's grayer than that right It, it is way more gray than that when it comes down to it and then by the time 
the Republic returns, which is what I'm seeing Joe Biden compared to, it is a fractured galaxy. And people are like, yay, the Republic's returning. Things were so great under the Republic. But let's not forget what the Republic was. You know, the Republic Obama had drone strikes and... He allowed Flint's water crisis to happen, then faked drinking water. Oh, you know, a water crisis that's still happening right now? Um, I'm thirsty. This isn't a a stunt. He started internment of immigrants, something Trump ramped up. But let's not pretend that Joe Biden returns and everything's peachy clean again. Like, right. People just want Joe there because they're like, I can stop it pretending to care. I can ignore it once Joe's in power. I can't ignore it with Trump in power. But things aren't going to be this rainbow and unicorn with Joe returning. There's still a ton of issues that we didn't address that allowed Trump to win. And I think because of that, this Star Wars comparison that people think is this great comparison, like the Republic's returning is actually a great comparison because it's actually looking at all the problems in Star Wars politics. Right. And how things aren't going to be significantly better. Right. And let's not forget that after the Empire fell, and as you said, the New Republic, the New Republic was so short-lived that the first order rose up and basically you had another rebellion. Now, personally, I kind of feel like the whole thing was just a little bit of lazy writing. And oh, it was horrible writing. Though. I mean, I, 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 to digress a little bit, there's a rumor that started spreading, uh, one or two months ago about the fact that, uh, there was infighting happening at Disney and that there's a faction of Disney that uh, wants to retcon uh, all three of the new Star Wars movies and start over and do a whole new uh, trilogy sequel. And they want to retcon it by using uh, there's some principle that apparently. Rebels. Yeah, there's time travel. Yeah. And uh, personally, I hope that's the case. Uh, I, I enjoyed. Let me put it this way. I enjoyed. The three movies uh, from an entertainment and a uh, fan standpoint. I love Adam Driver. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I actually did enjoy the character of Kylo Ren. However, the way the movies were done was absolute shit. The first movie, not bad. I get it. There's a, there's a lot of fan pandering in it. Um, it was kind of just like hey here's everything you ever wanted we threw it in we're not going to make the same mistakes as the first three movies the second movie goes off the rails and then the third movie just completely feels like it got backed into a corner um and like it it revealed like it tried to put the big twist in there it revealed the big twist that the rest of us had already figured out, kind of like how Joe Biden announced that Kamala Harris was going to be his VP. And we're like, yeah, we all knew. We've known yep. for a month. It's nice that your aides finally told you, Joe, but uh, <laughs> we've already known. 
So can we move on? And then they just sort of shoehorned the whole thing together, and it's just like, and it's over. It's like, ah. So to branch from politics for a second, when it comes to Star Wars, J.J. Abrams is a bad writer. (laughs) He should have stuck with Star Trek. Episode 7, though good, is just a retelling of episode four. It's not original in any way. No. Ryan Johnson comes on. He tells an original story in The Last Jedi. Uh, I think there's a little bit of disorganization on the way the scenes take place. But overall, it's actually a good story. Luke makes the same mistakes that Yoda and Obi-Wan did and follows the same path. It shows why the Jedi should have ended. He understands the problems the Jedi had and why the Jedi were corrupt at the end. We get Canto Bite that shows us how horrible the world still is where there's rich people getting rich compared to Jakku where there's people literally slaving trying to farm stuff off of ships. It shows us DJ who's corrupt but yet at the same time points out they're making weapons for both sides. Neither side is good. It's a good argument. Then you bring JJ back who doesn't know how to write for shit in the star Wars universe and goes, "Uh, I don't know what to do with this. Like I can't have an original thought. Palpentine. I know we'll bring back Palpentine because I can't think originally in star Wars and you get the shit show. That was episode nine. Literally one of the worst star Wars movies visually amazing story-wise a piece of shit. They've already established in Star Wars lore that hyper drives take days to travel in, yet they get notice that Pelpentine's attack is happening in 12 hours, and the entire movie takes place in the span of 12 fucking hours. It's a bad movie. Yeah. Not yep. politics at all, but... No. I had to um, go off of that, they... I mean, they... They could have just done it so much better. And just the whole the whole Palpatine thing was just so such a blatant pandering and just a complete waste of everything that had been built up over the last, you know, anything that had been tried. Um, But to go off a quick aside, have you ever heard of the uh, uh, Darth Jar Jar Binks theory? Oh, yes. Yes. I love Darth Jar Jar. Okay. So. I 100% believe it's true. I say shame on George Lucas for getting, uh, for basically getting cold feet and not going through with it. Uh, the For those of you that don't know, um, the whole theory is that in the first ep- in episode one, uh, Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord, um, is not uh, a good guy. There are basically little bits and pieces of evidence throughout episode one where you can see it and you can see him using doing being force sensitive and doing force moves. And the whole belief is he was designed to corrupt Anakin and destroy the Jedi, um, which pretty much happens because Jar Jar makes Anakin question everything at every single point. And they under the guise of just being an idiot. So the, the concept, I think, is actually that uh, when Palpatine kills Darth Plagueis, uh, Darth Plagueis is able to 
move his conscience into another being, and that happens to be Jar Jar Binks. Ooh. So I think that's the concept. Um, th- this is probably going to end up being more Star Wars than politics now that we're talking Welcome about Welcome to the it. Star Wars podcast. Welcome to a Star Wars episode of this political podcast. Uh, I think... JJ wasn't willing to make the risky moves in episode nine. And the risky move was not to have Kylo Ren redeem himself was to have him be the bad guy. And if he could have made that move, which was what the original script under um, Trevor Farrow or Trevor, whoever originally wrote it actually did was that Kylo Ren was irredeemable. Um, That was the risky move. And that was the right storytelling move. But my joke uh, before Episode Nine came out, with the events of what happened in the Last Jedi, was the way Episode Nine should have opened. Was you know we get the view of the stars, a star destroyer flies over, it pans, we see Mustafar, and it zooms in onto Mustafar and uh, Darth Vader's castle, and Kylo Ren is walking with the Knights of Ren down a hallway in Darth Vader's castle. Before he kneels down and says, my master, I've done it. I've killed him, referring to Snoke. And the platform turns and you hear, Misa, so happy, Kylo Ren. (laughs) And it's Jar Jar Binks up there, uh, you know, actually enforcing the Sith plan that started all the way back in episode one. I mean, that would have been fantastic. Oh, people would have walked out of the theater if that happened. And it would have probably been an amazing movie. If we if we establish that Darth Plagueis has been alive this entire time, pulling the strings behind Palpatine as Jar Jar Binks would have just been amazing, especially with how much Sidious interacted with Jar Jar Binks when he became a senator, and right. for him to never sense that he's a Sith Lord. Right. Amazing story. Yeah. Well, let's also. Uh not forget that Jar Jar did vote for the dissolving of the um, Republic in favor of the Galactic Empire. Yep. So, and well, so to get it back to politics, there's two, there's two things I can bring up first. I'll go back to, I'll go way back to when we first started this episode and we're talking about the, the good, you know, the fact that Star Wars has always been framed as this good versus evil when in reality it's not that black and white. And I think the most so the most celebrated moment in um in Star Wars is probably the mo- the darkest and most disturbing moment. So episode four, you know, the iconic, the full, the full force of the of the Death Star, and they they destroy, you know, Leia's home planet, and you know, millions or billions of people, however many people they claim were on that planet, instantly vaporized. It's awful. It's terrible. At the end of the movie, and this isn't a spoiler alert because it's been ninety fucking years or however long it's been. So get on that. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what Star Wars is, shame on you. Please, please leave. Um, and now we're down to two followers. Uh, <laughs> but the end of the movie, they destroyed the Death Star. And it's celebrated. 
and it's great and it's fantastic and they've destroyed this this symbol of tyranny and destruction and all of that well they talk about the fact that it's the size of a small moon and here's the worst part it's fully manned and staffed so many contractors died and it's one of those it's yay it's blown up and we destroyed a piece of equipment and the rebels literally did the exact same thing that the empire did to the planet granted they killed less people but i mean but, but they're the good guys yeah, yeah, that's the problem. There, there are parts of the internet that have tried to like theoretically figure out how many people were on the Death Star, and uh, the conservative estimates are not a couple thousand. Okay, you're at least a million people on there. Just basic function to keep that thing operating. And if you think that well, every single person that was on the Death Star was evil, um, you have a problem, and you need to get your brain checked. There were a lot of bureaucrats in there that were just caught up in the government. That... And you probably had slaves on there, too. Yep. And, I mean, let's not forget, stormtroopers are, cons- you know, most of them are conscripted into service. It's not a choice, which is something that's fully leaned into in the new trilogy. Yeah, stormtroopers you know, with... went from being clones to being kidnapped slaves. I'm not saying that the Galactic Empire are good in any way. I'm just saying that what we consider the good guys aren't as white knight good guys as we claim them to be. Right. So. (laughs) So that's number one. So I hope some of you are questioning, cheering for that terrible moment where terrorists destroyed a peaceful moon base station well well (laughs) let's not call it peaceful they did just destroy a planet not that much earlier in the movie (laughs) and they had prisoner quarters uh which uh, i'm sorry they only freed princess leia they killed all the other prisoners in those prisoner quarters when they built blew up the death star some of those could have been rebels and probably were rebel sympathizers so it's they're the good guys though. Don't, the don't good worry guys. about that, Jay. Let's forget about the other prisoners. They were martyrs. They died for the cause. Yes. Um to continue on to to pull this a little bit back to um politics in 2020, comparisons, um and we can we can jump back into comparing exactly, you know, where this falls and um but to compare current political people to Star Wars characters, I firmly believe that Biden is either Jar Jar Binks at best, Count Dooku at worst. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh. either way, he's getting played and his strings are being pulled by some higher power. And let's not forget count Dooku was just basically a bureaucrat that figured out how to use a weird lightsaber and is one 
one of the most bland characters in the Star Wars universe. I, I need to recommend Dooku Jedi Lost for you. It's an audio-only book that makes change Dooku from such a bland character to such an amazing character. And, yeah, in the movies, Dooku is so bland. Between the Clone Wars and that book, though, they built on that character and made him something way more interesting than he was. Um, it's probably a good thing. And I, I, I do believe that he's bland because... George Lucas wasn't planning on him being the bad guy and it was supposed to be Jar Jar Binks and he backed out at the last second and was like, crap, I need a bad guy. And then came Dooku. up with Dooku because he had killed Maul in the first um, in episode yeah. one. Um, it would have been great to have the same reveal, you know, like we had with Yoda, which was, oh, here's this weird innocent. And it's you know, revert Jar Jar's reverse Yoda. Yeah, that would have been that would have been good. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, I w- I will get into my one political uh, comparison of people and who I think is exactly like someone sometimes, and something I'd love to see uh, happen. Uh, but first, I want to talk a little bit more about the expanded universe and bring in um, Thrawn, uh, Mithron Yoroda. He was in Legends, which Disney struck from canon. And they brought back the writer who made Thrawn to remake Thrawn canon, reestablish the character. He's got a trilogy of books. He's been in Rebels. And um, he's getting another book series, which is going to follow his early days. He is a pro-Empire lieutenant from somewhere else, considered outside of the galaxy, the Unknown Regions. He's a Chiss. Um, When he comes into the galaxy... He meets Anakin before Anakin's turned to Vader. Then he comes back during the Galactic Empire to kind of do reconnaissance. And so what what the Chiss know is that there's a greater evil outside of the galaxy. And they kind of send Thrawn in to do reconnaissance and find out, can the Galactic Empire be an ally or are they also a threat we need to deal with versus the greater threat that's out there? Um he ends up rising up the ranks of the Galactic Empire, and he, and this brings in the gray area, he kind of understands the Empire isn't great, but compared to the greater threat, they're the lesser evil to deal with, and he even tries to take some of the rebels and kind of hide them by sending them to Chiss space to become allies of his, and a lot of them refuse to join him and stuff like that. Um, But what I think is also interesting in talking about politics and red tape and stuff, Thrawn is a great tactician and he is involved in a TIE fighter project to build a new set of TIE fighters and funding for the TIE fighter project is getting locked up by the death star project. And there's this whole politics that gets involved where Thrawn has to fight for the funding of his TIE fighters over the Death Star. (coughs) And the Death Star ends up getting the funding, but I think it shows one of the flaws of, and galactic red tape of the Empire, is Emperor Palpatine so obsessed with the Death Star that it has to happen. And Thrawn makes the point, we're going to throw all this money into one thing that could be easily destroyed. Or we could throw the money into a fleet of thousands of these TIE fighters that, yes, 
in a battle, a rebel might destroy one or two. Well, guess what? Because we have thousands, there's just another thousand waiting to go out there. And these are the superior military weapon. And I think that gets into a lot of military red tape. We throw our funding into stuff that's like, look at this fancy new airplane we have. When really that funding could be spent on getting way more of something more practical than a Death Star. Right. Right. Exactly. More, not 2020 politics, but more of like political philosophy expressed in Star Wars and understanding something. Well, that's something that seems to constantly happen. And I mean, we've seen it under almost every single president, you know, decades. You know, there's, there's always, you know, the... I think it's because the the big the big one hit wonder is always more flashy than, you know, like, you know, hey, why don't why don't I know it's not glamorous, but if we just make a thousand of these, it's it's going to work. And um, my favorite my favorite non canon parody video um, regarding the Death Star is, in my opinion, got to be a robot chicken. When they have uh, Palpatine uh, getting a phone call from Vader reacting to after the Death Star has been blown up. Uh, Have you seen it? I have, but it's been a while. Oh, it's fantastic. You should you should rewatch it. Highlights are, you know, they did what? What do you mean? Just build a new one. Where are we going to get the money? (laughs) Which do you have an ATM in that asthmatic costume of yours? On that note, why did they build another one? I'm trying to remember, but I feel like the second one was already. I mean, in these things product, have to. So they were yeah, have to, to take. Right, they're trying to make one. a fleet, and you know, I mean, because you know, the second one is like half built, which seems weird. You know, they make it seem like it takes. You know, thousands of years to build these, yet it's Palpatine's project, and it looks like they built the first one in like a decade or two. I mean, Anakin's not that old. So so Luke's 16, I think, in episode four, and at the end of episode three, we see the start of construction on the Death Star. So it takes about 16 years to build an operational Death Star. Uh, at least the first one. Maybe once they had their things done and understood the building process, they could cut down that time in, let's right. say, half. And we're down to eight years. We're pushing out a Death Star. Right. Every eight years. So. Right. Yeah. Because it has to be. Right. You have to go off of the first one took. 15 to 16 years because it's not like they started building it. Before. Palpatine turned the Republic into the Empire. So they had the plans because in episode two or three, there's a meeting uh, of the Separatist and there's a hollow on the table with the Death Star plans up on it. So they already had the plans as the Separatist. I think if the war had kept going, the plan would have been the Separatist would have built the Death Star they would have brought in the super weapon. It would have brought the war even more. But then Palpatine kept pushing this weapon post separatist. I think the Tie Fighter that Thrawn had was actually the more uh, worthwhile venture. But for 
analogies to people. I love comparing Mitch McConnell to Darth Sidious. I mean, he looks like You give like him, him way too much credit. <laughs> He's the head of the Senate. You know, I was joking before quarantine times that it'd be hysterical to send Mitch McConnell a, a red lightsaber and a black robe as a gift and then get a protest group to follow him around in uh, black robes and call him the followers of Mitch and just be like, yes, master, your hate shall flow through the republic and just follow him around. I think Mitch is crafty as Sidious is in some of his things, like holding up a Supreme Court nominee and then blaming Biden, saying, no, Biden created this rule. And now when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who should have retired long ago, is she should have retired under Obama. I don't know why she didn't. Greed, pure greed to be this. And she thought Hillary was going to win and everything was peachy clean and she could stay. Greed and hubris. Greed and hubris. But now we've got, you know, she could die before the election. It's looking less and less likely. You know, it's what, 90 something days to the election, 80 something days to the election now. 110 days till potentially the president changes. But if she dies, Mitch is like, no, we'd vote on another Supreme Court justice. And I'm like, it's your own damn rule to not vote on a Supreme Court justice during the year of an election. But when it works in your favor, you change the rule. Oh, this is American politics. Oh, I know it's everything. (laughs) Me, you know, for me, not for thee. Yeah, for me. I mean, mean, everything. Republican, Democrat. I mean, all you got to look is fucking Nancy Pelosi supporting within her own party, Joe Kennedy over Ed Malarkey. Like she is, she said she would not back an opponent to any incumbent Democrat. Yet she is backing an opponent to an incumbent Democrat in an election, but claiming, well, Joe Kennedy is one of ours. He comes from the Kennedy family. He was in the House. Now I'm just backing him for Senate against an incumbent Democrat. And it's the fact that Ed Malarkey is more of an independent than a Democrat. So she doesn't like him. Right. So same political bullshit from both sides. I mean, my biggest. The parties are broken. The parties are wrong. Um biggest problem we have in america is the two-party system all right it it fucks everything up and the biggest reason it fucks everything up is because it forces people to pick a side left versus right the problem with having the left and the right is that you have the extremes lumped in with the moderates the reason there's such a large independent you know centrist voter ideology and body in America is because the right forcibly gets lumped in with the alt-right just because there's nothing else on the right. And then the left gets lumped in with communists because there's nothing else on the left. The, if we didn't have a two party system The communists could form their own fucking party and just we can stick them in a corner and we can laugh at them. The the Nazis and the white supremacists could form their own party and we can stick them in a quarter 
and laugh at them. And the and they may you know they got one they might have one delegate in the house. They might have one senator. The rest of us could get on with our normal lives and do whatever the fuck we want. The problem is, the fringes have now corrupted the parties, and the parties are slaves to the, the perception of what the fringes are, and it all stems from the presidential debates and the rules set up in there and the rules of the presidential debates force a two-party system because to participate in the presidential debate you have to poll over a certain percentage and it is virtually impossible to have more than two candidates on a debate stage purely based off of math well and let's not talk about how much these parties have become power players in and of themselves. They control so much. And there are power brokers behind the scene that we don't know that are pulling the strings of, well, you get to run, you don't get to run. Oh, Bernie, we don't like you. We're going to do everything we can to push you out. You know, and these power brokers can have so much control at, and things can run differently on a state level. The fact that certain states get to primary first, like as a New Yorker, our primary vote doesn't count and our presidential vote doesn't count because right. we primary too late to matter. And because of the city, we're always going to swing Democrat. So, right. And we're always going to swing hardcore Democrat. The, I mean, we're, we're sort of going off of Star Wars and just going into basic politics, but that's fine. Welcome to the Bull Moose Tavern. This is what happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, now we're going to talk a little bit about delegates. I, my biggest problem, I have no problem with the Electoral College because if you don't have the Electoral College, pretty much 80% of the state's vote won't matter because... More than 50% of the population of the country live in two places, New York City and California. Southern California. Southern California. Half of California. So if you go with a popular vote and you say 100% popular vote, congratulations. Those two places dictate who's president. Always. And my problem with that is you have to realize that we are not one nation. We are a collection of independent states that have decided to work together. Back before the Civil War, New York decided who the president was because New York had the most residents and in turn had the most delegates. That was a problem. People argue that's one of the reasons why the Civil War happened. We can save that for maybe a Civil War podcast. I think, and this goes back to breaking up the two-party system, the other thing is we need to break up um, the delegate system. You can The Electoral College can stay as it is if you stop states from basically assigning the winning you know, the winning popular vote to all delegates. The yep. delegates should be broken up, you know, by, you know, 
jurisdiction. You know, or you know, you just stop doing this winner take all and do percentage. You right. have to win ten percent of the vote to get a delegate. Then everyone over ten percent goes into a pool. Person A gets their forty percent. Person B gets their thirty percent. Uh, person C, D, and E get their ten percent. Right. How many times do we have a third have in history have has a third party candidate gotten a significant portion of the popular vote or what would be considered a significant portion but gets zero delegates? Mm-hmm. And it, like, why? Well, because they could have won this state, but or they could have gotten you know four delegates from this state. But uh, the state was all or take nothing, you know, and there's there's like, was it two or three states in the union that actually do, you know, split delegates or, you know, geographical delegates. But so I I think that that is the fair balance between the Electoral College and the popular vote is to stop this winner take all electoral vote, you know, and people. And here's my argument there. And now we're going into an Electoral College episode. Um, Americans think president, the president is the only position that matters. It's not your local representatives matter. Your state representatives matter. Your house representative matters, your Senate and the president matter, but people only think the president matters only vote on presidential years off year voting tends to be lower on top of that. You have states like Alabama and New York, I'm going to take for an example, where if you're a Democrat in Alabama or a Republican in New York, you feel disenfranchised as a voter. You feel like your vote doesn't matter because you think the president only matters and you know for a fact your state is going to go Democratic or Republican. So why even go vote? Now you say we're going to give you a percentage of the vote. Your vote now matters in the state because if you can take your vote, it, your one vote could take someone from that 9.99999% to 10% to get the delegate. But once you make people understand their vote matters, they feel more enfranchised to vote too. Exactly. To tie this back to Star Wars, there's a clear way that you go from a republic to an empire first part is disenfranchisement yep okay the second part is by basically belittling politics on a local level um how how insignificant must each of those planets have felt about their own you know local planetary politics to basically just give up all control of their planet to a galactic empire. Oh, our our planet presidential election doesn't matter. It's the galactic empire election that matters. You know, it's the galactic, you know, sorry, the galactic senate election that really matters. What goes on? I mean, you want to prevent the slide into an empire. It starts on the local level and that's the the issue we have is because there's a lack of emphasis and a lack of caring of local politics. You want to fix 90% of what's going on in America today, focus on the local level, focus on the local politics. 
a lot of local politics is reactionary and you know people don't pay attention people don't pay attention to who's running their school systems you know their school board you know we you hear it so often you know from certain groups you know our our public school system is run down you know it it sucks it's terrible you know in, you know in this particular area it's terrible on a national level well do you know who's running your school board? Have you voted on the budget? Do you know what the budget's going for? I don't know. Maybe if people on uh, Tatooine focused on some of the local issues that were going on there instead of just you know letting the Galactic Senate take <laughs> care of it, maybe Palpatine wouldn't have been able to become an emperor. Well, well let, let's say Tatooine is a bad example because that was outside the purview of the Republic. That's why they couldn't find Anakin is because it was in the outer rim and the Republic, though it was part of the Republic, didn't care about it. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because one of the things in Star Wars that we see, if you pay attention to the expanded universe, is the reason the Galactic Empire uh, came up was because people felt the Republic didn't care about them. That crime was rampant throughout the galaxy and... Uh, Palpatine came in as a law and order, I'm going to fix it candidate. Um, sorry, there is a little bit of a resemblance to Donald Trump there. Um, law and order, I'm going to fix it myself, but now can't fix shit. Um, but I, I'm going to bring up Flint again. You know, you've got these people who still have lead in their water. And I'm not saying Trump promised to fix Flint, but you can swing that town and towns like it across the United States by being the presidential election candidate that's coming in and they're saying, I'm going to put funding towards fixing your water problem. Another town. I, you know that bridge that's about to collapse that you guys have to drive over every day? I'm going to put funding towards that. I alone can do it. You know, right. you're going to have a crime issue. I'm going to put money towards fighting the meth dealership that is here. I alone can fix it. And people go for that power position because they feel their government has failed them. And that's what happened in Star Wars. That's exactly what happened in Star Wars. I mean, that's what happened in 2016. I'm not saying that Trump is an evil empire at all. Um, but the disenfranchisement is real. You had eight years of Obama. The personally, in my opinion, I think the nail in the coffin for Hillary, I mean, because this was even before the race started. But I think that the defining thing that no one paid attention to, that is what ultimately tanked the Democrats chance of winning in 2016, it is the, the whole flint michigan issue and how obama handled it um probably could not have handled it any worse unless he just told them to piss off and just fucking deal with it i'm, a, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna wet my lips yeah I <laughs> no i was it's actually not, thirsty this isn't a stunt it's not this a stunt, a stunt. He, he did it again and he does it again he does it again when he's in oh the that that brown water is delicious oh mm. is it because it's a glass of scotch oh you gave me scotch not a glass of water but like that's that's what set up Trump. And if and if 
and it's it's not just the you know the the entire US you know election that led to Trump it's also what led him to win the Republican primary because the Republican primary or the Republican party was shit personally i believe mccain palin was a setup i mccain listened to bad advisors when he picked palin uh yeah yeah i conspiracy hat on i think that uh she was picked on purpose and she was told to play a part because i have seen interviews and clips of her and she is much smarter than she ever appeared during the election um but uh we we can we can save that for a conspiracy political podcast yeah but uh and then and then he had Mitt Romney Jesus Christ could you have picked I mean the the choice of Mitt Romney is basically the same fundamental fuck up choice of picking John Kerry to go against Bush. I mean, you would have been better picking a moldy loaf of bread with with a can- a birthday candle that can't be blown out in it to go up against Bush because at least there would have been a little bit of intrigue there with the moldy loaf of bread and the birthday candle. I mean, Anybody that thought Kerry had the smallest shot against Bush was just it's a it was a throwaway. It was a throwaway nomination. Mitt Romney was a throwaway nomination. So and it's it's the two parties playing the game, keeping us at odds so that, you know, what's really going on can just keep pushing the country in a certain direction and keep the pockets of the ultra wealthy lined and keep everything just status quo. Let's, let's take a second and we're back on American politics to talk about some of the theories I have around this. Um, Share away, Jake. First of all, I'm going to express this again. Obama was a shiny coat, but a lot of people saw past that shiny exterior and saw the issues, and that's what led to Trump. That's what led to Trump, plus the Republicans couldn't get their shit together. They ran too many people. Uh, People didn't know when to back out to give other people their chance. Um, You tried running a dynasty. I was very afraid originally at the start of the nomination process that it was going to be dynasty versus dynasty. It was going to be Clinton-Bush. and I, I think Americans are anti-dynasty. And I think the parties don't think that Americans are anti-dynasty. But I think most Americans didn't want another Clinton, didn't want another Bush, doesn't really want another Kennedy. Um, this dynasty shit's got to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of it, I have no doubt during the 2008 nomination process Obama and Clinton hated each other and they were pulled into a room by Democratic leadership and they said look Hillary you got this in 2016 Obama's gonna win we see that already you gotta back the fuck off get out of here oh yeah 100% she did 2016 came around 
and holy shit, no one ran against her. Bernie did, and he was screwed at every step of the way because he was an establishment Democrat, and they didn't want him. They wanted Hillary on the ticket. I don't think as much as Biden claims he didn't run because of what happened with Bo, Bo told him to run. I think he knew the deal and knew he couldn't run in 2016. And I think Biden would have won against Trump in 2016. 100%. I think, and I, I mean, I said this back in 2016 is that it should have been Biden. I mean, historically, when you look at presidential presidential succession, a VP running for president after they've served one or two terms as VP is almost a sure thing if that president had a fairly successful term. He, one, he was still mentally competent. He wasn't suffering from late-stage dementia like he is now. He, there, there was a lot of goodwill that he had, that Obama had, I think he, had it been him versus Trump, he could have easily won. He was, he didn't have all the baggage that Hillary had. He didn't have the the legacy crap. He didn't have the, the failures of Secretary of State. Also, he didn't have the cannon fodder that, uh, all the cannon fodder that Trump used against Hillary. Because what people tend to forget is that Trump and the Clintons ran in the same cycles. They're friends. They known each other for years. So all the dirt, all the shit, you know, that's gone on over the years. Hey, they flew on Epstein's plane together, baby. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I think, I think the Democrats had a bad taste in their mouth from the Gore Bush election. And I think you got to realize the Gore Bush election in a way was, kind of a fluke uh you know the fact that it came down to florida deciding the election and nader was on the ticket too and uh, all this stuff and yes gore did actually lose but it was so close i think they were like oh shit the same thing's gonna happen again with biden but biden would have been the better choice against hillary right without a doubt or Mm -hmm. sorry against trump but he didn't even run the fact that no one in a year when there was no one lined up ran against Hillary, like, nope, it's your time. That is what lost it for the Democrats was that thought that it was Hillary's time. That, that level, that level of arrogance. And it's the, it's basically, you know, the galactic Republic deciding who's going to be in charge next. And I think that's, you you want a comparison to, um, you know, an empire versus rebels? Look, take it as you will. For our listeners, try not to get bent out of shape. But when the establishment said this is the, I mean, everybody knew that the establishment on both sides pretty much agreed. It's Hillary's time. She's going to be president. Everybody just needs to suck it up and let her have it. The rebellion came out and said, no, this person's going to be the president. And that's how Trump became president. And whether you like him and his personality or not, he is 
one of the only presidents who actually has done almost everything he said he would do while he ran, whereas most other presidents never really happens. But had Biden ran in 2016, you wouldn't have had that legacy, you know, the the establishment just picking who's in charge. Biden's a career politician. He's been in politics for 47 years or more, whatever the number is. He had the, I mean, it's the perfect ticket. Has the experience, has the establishment, knows what he's doing, was just VP for eight years. He can run the country. Instead, they went, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's her chance. But the yeah. thing is, it was her chance because that deal was made in 2008. I have right. no doubt that that backroom deal was made in 2008 the way 2016 ran. Oh, and I mean, they if you just look at the primary and the way the primary went and then it just it just stopped and they never foresaw what their mistakes during the Obama administration could have led to this swing to Trump. Right. I mean, you had Obama Trump voters and people are going, how the fuck did you have that? And it's like, because Obama's hope you know and change when it came down to it has about as much to it as drain the swamp and make america great again they were great slogans that didn't really amount to shit the swamp's more swampy than ever steve bannon was just arrested A, a former trump campaign person for fucking embezzling uh build the wall money like it's horrible. Both sides are horrible. Right. And it's, it's what it, what did the, like two of the biggest things Obama campaigned on shut down Gitmo and pull all of our troops out of the Middle East. Well, he sure as shit didn't shut down Gitmo. The, the response, I remember the response to that when after he became president, everybody said, oh no, you know, the people in the suits came and they're like, no, you don't. You, you don't actually do that, except his response happening. was, uh, oh, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, but I am going to release, you know, probably about four dozen terrorists and uh, oopsie, two of them might come back and actually pull off a terrorist attack. Yeah, thanks for that. That's what happens. When you don't fucking think and uh, pull all the troops out of Iraq. And uh, yet they're still there. So great. Thank you. Thanks for oh, you mean like we're in a constant war like the clone wars that mm-hmm. just seems to have no end in sight has been going on for most of our adult lives uh, since 2001. Um, well, you could argue it's been going on since before that. Well, I mean, that started in the Gulf War potentially like yeah. it, it, there, there is definitely an argument there, but there was a little bit of non official wartime during that. Uh, on a non uh, Star Wars thing really quick you know you bringing up Biden I'm going to get a little emotional here I saw a Biden ad from the DNC uh, didn't have Biden in it nearly at all actually and it was it's a good strategy for them the best Biden ad I've seen it had me in tears and it was that kid who has a stutter and like talking about like 
hope for, you know, kids with disabilities and stuff under uh, Biden. And that teared me up compared to Trump, who's over there waving his arms, making fun of people who have disabilities um, or are, you know, things like that. And I was like, this is the best Biden ad I've seen. And I think it has Biden in it for all of five seconds to show when they met like six months ago back in the before times when you could actually meet someone in public. And I was like, but this adds emotional and proves a point and it's the best Biden ad I've seen so far. And it'll probably get the least amount of coverage and the least amount of ad spend. Yeah, but it's the best one I've seen so far. And it had literally nothing to do with politics other than the fact like the world will be better for kids like me. And right. I was like, this is the best sell I've seen for Biden. Two days. Great ad. Like, I, I will say, though, the Democrats who, I mean, both parties consistently fuck everything up and fuck up every single bit of good grace that gets given to them. But the Democrats of late have been doing it more. Um, they need, because I saw the ad came when it came out it i mean agree with you 100 percent. it's it's beautiful it's well done it's perfect and then almost immediately after it came out i saw leftist um political people i'm not going to call them hacks i would never do that uh basically saying oh this is great and you know this brings you know this brings awareness to to Biden's stutter and, you know, you know, this kid, you know, Biden's giving, you know, hope to this kid. And I was like, you can't start trying to use like you created, a, you know, great ad. You have this. The kid's great. And then you're going to then use it to try and excuse what the right has been poking at your candidate for. Biden doesn't have a stutter. He's old. He has trouble speaking. Okay. If he had a stutter, he would have had it for the last 50 fucking years. Okay. It's, it's when it comes on in your almost eighties, that's just, you're old and he doesn't have a stutter. He's just, not thinking as quickly as he used to, and he gets hung up on words. And the Democrats and the leftists are going to shoot themselves in the foot if they keep pushing these platitudes and these bullshit narratives because the media propaganda machine is getting worse and worse and worse. And if, if the media keeps basically going all in in almost... Anything that they think is what people want to hear or see, it's, I mean, it becomes, I mean, we talked about propaganda. We had a podcast about it. If you lay too heavy into propaganda, it becomes obvious and it's no longer successful. It's, it's no longer effective. So I'm going to counterpoint you and say, I think Biden does have a stutter and he has had a stutter his entire life and has done a lot to work through it. But I think his gaffes in speaking lately are not a stutter. Um, they are speaking gaffes. I suffer from migraines 
And when I have a migraine, I have a hard time developing my words. I would not consider that a stutter because I say the wrong words or take awkwardly long pauses. And early on in Biden speaking, I said, that's exactly what I'm like when I have a migraine. I would not compare it to a stutter at all. And like, I've never been uh, diagnosed with it, but like when I'm reading, especially like I read to my daughter every night, I have a very mild stutter where I will actually get caught on a word and stutter on it while reading. That is different than to me. And I'm not a medical doctor and can't give you the medical determination of stuttering than a losing your words or saying the wrong words. And that to me, what he is showing now is not a stutter to me. And I agree that trying to say, well, look at this kid that he empowers because he has a stutter now. No, that's not the same thing as the gaffes he's making when he's speaking. Right. To me. So. Agreed. We're on the same page. Little <laughs> tiny bit of a disagreement, but. Uh, that's the beauty of this podcast. That's why we come to the tavern. It's why all of our two friends, because I accidentally shunned one of them because they hadn't seen Star Wars, uh, <laughs> you know, come to sit around the bar with us. Uh, it's the bar is not in New York because uh, Cuomo hates people that want to have fun. Uh, you know, good old Andy, El douche. Yeah. But I digress. <laughs> we love yeah. our we love the state. Please don't shut down our tavern. Where are we yeah. going to drink? Yeah, completely off topic. You know, it's funny. In driving to the wedding, I went to. Uh, I saw a lot of farmland. And some of it abandoned and some of it not abandoned, but not well worked. And I'm just driving through New York farmland and going, man, New York could really feed New York. Like if we did more for our farmers and allowed, you know, gave a couple of these people grants to build some greenhouses so they could be farming all year round. There's no reason why. All of our produce, you know, like avocados and shit would have to be imported. But like the base of our produce could be developed and sold within New York. And then, you know, I've made the drive to Lake Placid every year for my anniversary. And when you go out that way, there's much more abandoned farmland. And, you know, as I drive out that way, my thought is always like, if he just legalized weed already, we could put these farmers back to work. They could have greenhouses. We'd have the tax revenue. <laughs> we would have New Yorkers working. And that's my digression point in New York and farming is I don't think we do enough for our farmers in New York. But that's because too much of our money is diverted back to the city. I mean. Yeah. And that goes back to. Uh, I mean, let's. uh if I'm gonna I'm gonna microcosm this right now. Okay. So we're talking about um Star Wars and how it relates to twenty twenty politics on a uh, national level. I'm pulling it back I'm gonna pull it into a state level. Oh god. I, okay? I wanna know who you're gonna compare Cuomo to. Oh, Cuomo is one hundred percent um Senator Palpatine right <laughs> yeah. now. Amassing power and 
I'm just waiting for the, because it's not going to be a real attack, or it might be a real attack, but I'm just waiting for something to happen to him and him to come on TV and say, look, they came after me, but I'm still standing. I'm a little scarred, but I'm fine. I think it's time we disband the state legislator. We just get rid of the New York, you know, New York House and the New York Senate. And we just let me be governor infinitesimally. We'll change the title to Emperor of New York. I guess. <laughs> 100%. We are, we are on the precipice of uh, Cuomo using force lightning, <laughs> throwing, you know, Mace Windu out the window. And then being like, you know, oh, I mean, come on. I mean, he's he's already writing a book about how greatly he uh, fucked up the response to COVID-19, which is kind of like the captain of the Titanic saying, I'm going to write a book about how successful we were at crossing the Atlantic after he hit the iceberg and going, <laughs> nah, this is fine. I'm getting in the lifeboat because you guys got this because we're good. We're good. I mean, we did this, guys. I mean, yeah, we're taking on a took on a little bit of water, uh, but you know, we're over it now. We're I'm going to write a book. We're good. We're good. So you say I give McConnell too much credit. I think you give Cuomo too much credit within <laughs> the Star Wars universe. I won't uh, discredit him being one of the many corrupt politicians within the Galactic Senate, but I think. Uh, he doesn't have the evil scheming to be Palpatine. He's just more about me, me, me. Well, he's uh, not just smart like smart enough, but yeah. Uh, you know, when you talk about someone who I, I still think tried to fudge the license plate vote to get his dad's bridge on the New York license plate, you know, a bridge <laughs> that hasn't been the Mario Cuomo bridge that long, but now that it is the Mario Cuomo bridge, and apparently that bridge means New York to all New Yorkers. That was one of the license plate designs. I'm glad yeah. that people went out and voted, and that is not the license plate we have today. Um, or maybe someone who tried to start a group to look into corruption in New York state politics until the investigation led him to, you know, his own campaign. Yeah. So he kind of dissolved that and is like, oh, shit, you weren't supposed to find that. Uh, I meant the other corruption in New York State. Uh, you mean kind of like how he led an investigation into himself, into the handling of uh, killing all those nursing home residents and was like, yeah, I investigated myself and I did nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah we're uh, good. We're good. No what do you mean you want an independent investigation? Look, hold on. Hold on. I'll investigate myself again. Yep. Nope. Still good. I, I can do it a third time. Still good. Still good. Or, you know, someone who has a brother who's on a mainstream news channel, you know, selling him to the state every day. You got these homosexuals out there. And, oh, my uh, God. For as much shit as people give, you know, like Fox News or OAN for being like state propaganda, the Chris Cuomo... Andy Cuomo segments literally in other countries would be illegal. They're for an SNL bit. Every single one of them. Statist propaganda. Every single like, one of them is an SNL bit. Like every journalistic ethical standard goes out the window 
when Chris gets on and starts propping up his brother. Mom loves me more. No, mom loves me more. I called her last night. You didn't call her, so she obviously loves me more. No, mom loves me more. I talked to her the other day, and she told me I'm the favorite son. Come mom on. likes me more because, you know, I didn't kill, you know, 12,000 people yesterday. Well, hold on. They killed themselves because of something I did, but uh, don't air that. Okay, no. so if New... Okay, if New York was the Star Wars universe of politics. Cuomo some moth moth or some low-level governor of a planet because you got Chuck Schumer. He's our representative to the Galactic Senate, and he's just a nice little incompetent uh, representative to the Galactic Senate there. Uh, You know, I... I, you know, I'm going to vote today and everything's going to be better. Chuck. So is is Chucky one of the the people that voted for the emperor to take power? Uh, He might have gotten waved up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He could have easily gotten uh, waved back into it. But, you know, we have some strong corruption in... uh, New York State with our politics, you know, on both sides. Uh, I won't discredit that uh, House member from uh, one of the Buffalo districts who got uh, convicted with a crime like two weeks before the election and they kept him on the ballot because they knew that Republicans would still vote for the guy who just got convicted of the crime over the Democrat and then they could just hold a re-election for his seat. Um, You got... uh, uh, Louis Slaughter, who stayed in office way longer than she should have to hold on to power and oh. ended up dying in office. And now we got Joe. I, I don't absolutely hate Joe. I campaigned for him. Um, I don't have a ton of problems with him. So I'm just glad I'm not in his district anymore. I'm in his district. Yeah. So. <laughs> also, the, the other day I did look up districts. And uh, to find out what district I'm in and uh, fucking hate gerrymandering so much. Is your street like secretly mudged on to another district or something? No, I'm in a district, but literally the district I'm in does like, you know, Lake Ontario goes down. It turns left a little bit, then turns right, goes up goes down, does a little zigzag pattern, completely ignores Monroe County, goes back up, touches over to Buffalo, just like a little tip, just boop, and then, and then goes back up. And then you basically have Monroe County as its own district. Yep. And then you got, like, Erie County as its own district. Like, oh, okay, yeah. We need Republicans here, but we're going to need a Democrat here, and we need a Democrat here. Like, I this has nothing to do with Star Wars and we're so off topic, but just fucking standardize it. Stop the gerrymandering. Stop bullshit weird lines for districts. Make it a grit like the best thing that happened to America was when we stopped drawing states like you a, mean we... a child with a pencil and just, you know, you know, fucking having a seizure while drawing it, and then went, 
Why don't we just make it a grid? Yes, yes, thank you. This is your state. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, there's a natural uh, barrier. Okay, fine. You can have a little bit of a weird, fucked up, wavy line here. Great. Awesome. But we've gone off a little topic. uh, Probably also. The politics of Star Wars. Long on time, so maybe we should start to try and wrap it up. Yeah, we should probably. Hung in there all this time. You you guys are the real heroes. Yes. Uh, Swing it back into topic. You know, let's, let's do a large swing here. So, ending points on the politics of Star Wars. I think there is analogies to be made about what happened in Star Wars and what's happening in politics today. Is it one-to-one? No. Are there lessons that could be pulled there about political ideas? A hundred percent. And I I still think a lot of the people that are trying to compare Joe to the Republic returning are only doing that because they they don't want to care anymore. I think there's enough Americans that are just like, I want to go back to how it was under Obama and pretend all these bad things aren't happening and that everything's great and not realize that those are the reasons that Trump came to power. And I can just, I can just, ignore it if we get joe back so well well to draw a parallel to another sci-fi movie uh what you're describing is literally the moment in the matrix where he goes you can have the red pill the red pill and wake up and see what's going on or you can take the blue pill the blue pill and go back to sleep and forget any of this happened I, I will say, just to clarify on that, I don't think the GOP and Trump are some great liberators that have brought this freedom to the world. I think they're just as bad, if not worse, than the Democrats in most cases. But people can pretend under the Democrats that everything is okay. That, you know, global warming isn't the thing. Yet, Joe's not fighting for health care. He's not, he's, you know, he's got a lot of flaws, but things will be back to normal so we can stop having to care every day. Right. And I think that's the analogy that people are drawing is like, it's the Republic returning. Everything's going to be great again. And it's like, when the Republic returned, everything was not great. Like the galaxy was fractured and it didn't come back together. It was shit before, which led to the empire and the new Republic just assumed that. Yeah, no, they, I mean, in my belief, it goes to, I draw, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stop taking us off tangent and jake can wrap us up because that's what he's good at but it in my opinion the anal the the analogy with star wars and going from the old republic to the clone to old republic period 
to the Clone Wars period, to the Emperor Empire period, to the New Republic, to the First Order, is the analogy of hard times create hard individuals, hard individuals create good times, good times create weak individuals. And it's because the good time it the good times cause people to forget about what was before, which leads to the hard times and they forget that it was hard before and it just creates a loop and it's all yeah. about loops and the Republic was shit and then it got worse and then they're so like, the, oh, we want to return to the good of let's the Republic. Go back to the good, not realizing that it's not good. You need to create something new. And I feel that's that's the problem with what the Democrats are doing now. They're not trying to go with new. They're trying to go with, you know, they're just trying to get back to what we were doing, which didn't fucking work. No, and the New Republic had so many flaws. And people who only pay attention to the movies just think that the First Order rose out of nowhere and destroyed the new seat of government. But it didn't. There was a fractured government already. A lot of planets did not rejoin the New Republic. It took a lot of time to get those planets to rejoin. They didn't have a standing army because they were scared of the army of the Empire. And that's why the New Republic was funneling money to the rebellion to be a standing army for them. Right. Which was a, actually a militia group funded by the government. <laughs> like... They didn't have to follow the rules. It, uh, it's just, it's horrible. And I think this analogy that's out there is a is a good one, but not for the reason most people are sharing it. I right. think it's a good one. It's it's accurate, but not for the reasons that people think. Yeah. It's, it's basically, you know, that trap of, you know, I'm... I'm thinking in this way and well here I'll tie it in with Star Wars the prophecy the prophecy that a child would be born to bring balance to the force and it was in and Anakin was the chosen one and it was he's going to bring balance to the force and all the Jedi were like this is fantastic this is great this is going to happen and they were right for the wrong reason because cool. they believed that balance meant no dark side, only light. That's not balance. What happens at the end of episode three? There's two Sith and there's two Jedi. Balance. And what's funny is the Jedi could never foresee that they were part of the problem. They're like, we're the good guys. Right. No, and it, the books expand on it so much. Qui-Gon realizes the issues the Jedi Order have. The Jedi Order allows slavery to happen. They won't get involved without government overreach to get them involved in confrontations. He realizes that they are flawed, but they think they're this great good. And I, I feel like that's the same thing that's going on with the Democrats now. Like, no, they're the great good that are going to come back and save us. No, they're the Jedi Order. They're not some great good. And like, and if the prophecy not... was right, but balance meant destroying both the light and the dark side. Yep. And so. if 
And if you're not careful, you you will be your own destruction. And I mean, I think here's probably the biggest takeaway from Star Wars that the people that are pushing this belief in theory and also pushing the current narratives as bad as anyone thinks Trump is. If we continue down this path, Trump will be seen as barely a blip because it's what comes after him. It's oh. it's the next one. I mean, if if we don't correct what's wrong in America now, you are going to get I mean, we are going to get an Emperor Palpatine. And and here's here's what'll blow everybody's mind. We'll look back like both sides, left lefties and righties will look back and the righties will go, you know, Obama was pretty great. How did we fuck that up? And the left will go, Trump was pretty great. How did we fuck that up? And to anybody who's like, oh, no, I'd never say that about Trump. You don't understand what terrible evil is coming if we don't fix it. And here's the part that should terrify everybody. If we don't course correct, you're not going to be able to predict what side it comes from. It's not coming from one side of the aisle. So I'm one of those people that would never want to believe I would never say Trump was pretty good. Yet here we are normalizing George Bush, which during his eight years, people were like, he's the devil. And now it's like, I wish we had a president, a Republican president like Bush again. He was pretty normal. Here, here is my dire warning. If Joe wins this election, if there's a peaceful transition of power at the election, which I think there may not be, there, that's a whole nother podcast, but if there is, and people go back to treating politics how they did when Obama was president, what we're going to see in four years is going to be significantly scarier than Donald Trump ever was. They, the alt-right, the QAnon people will have their time to regroup and create a monster so much worse than Donald Trump. And the side that right now supported Bernie Sanders will swing to the left and disavow the Democrats because they are not listening to them. They're not listening to a faction of their own party. And whatever will happen in four years will be so much worse than what we could imagine. And I can't predict what that will be, but we cannot allow Joe to win then go back to acting like nothing ever happened for the past four years. Right. So. And on that cheery note, we should probably say goodbye. Yes, yes. Go out and fulfill your destiny. But uh, to our listeners, thank you for uh, sticking with us along this crazy ride. Follow us on Twitter. We have no followers, but we do have a Twitter account. Just search yes. uh, the Bull Moose Tavern. Uh, 
We promise we'll start using that account a little bit more to uh, share updates and uh, push out episodes. I push out episodes on it. It does push out episodes. There you go. So if you want to know when a new episode releases, just follow that Twitter account. We're not on Facebook because I don't like Facebook. But with that, thank you, Aaron. I'll see you in a week or two. Sounds good, Jake. It's been fun. It's been fun. This week's podcast is...